Hello, I'd like to welcome everyone to episode 25 of What Are You Reading? A next book podcast from Fairfield Public Library in Fairfield, Connecticut. Today is March 10th, 2023. My colleague Mary Coe and I welcome you to our annual One Book, One Town OBOT podcast. This year we are thrilled to have our first local Fairfield author, Ivan Maisel, whose book I Keep Trying to Catch His Eye was chosen by our OBOT committee for our One Book, One Town. Mary and I welcome Ivan and his wife, Meg Murray, to our podcast. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thanks. And Mary, would you like to get us started? Sure. Yes, thank you both so much for being here today. Uh, We really appreciate it. Um, uh, So I am the branch reference librarian. I've also been on the One Book, One Town selection committee for the past 15 years since the beginning. So this is our our 15th year, um, and as Philip mentioned, it is the first time that we've ever had a local, very local author, uh, you know, author that lives in Fairfield, um, to have their book chosen. And it kind of just adds to, uh, I think, the specialness of that this year. Uh, Certainly a book that, on its own merit, uh, is a beautiful book, uh, felt as though... It was the time to have this very kind of vital conversation um, about so many issues that are written about so beautifully in the book. Um, so when we were considering this very early on before we started meeting, I was working at the branch one day and um, this lovely patron woman came to the desk to ask me for help with something, you know, typical like the copier or downloading an ebook. Um, but then... She says to me, "How does the book? How does the town choose the the book for the townwide read?" So I a little bit kind of started going into my spiel about, "Oh, we have a committee and lots of partners." And then she said to me, um, "I'm asking because my husband has written a book, and I think that the town should read it." And that's when I realized that Meg, it was it was you, uh, the wife yes. of the man who'd written the book. I very much, along with uh, my colleague Claudia Silk who's also the co-chair, wanted to bring to the committee and uh, still get chills thinking about that moment And because we would not have gone forward with this choice without, of course, getting permission uh, from the family because it was so personal. So you remember that that day? I do remember that. And um, I was so happy that somehow we started talking to each other and that we had that conversation. And um, I'm sure I was probably crying, as I told you about it. I think we both were. But um, I felt very strongly given how, um, you know, we have tried to be open from the beginning. And Ivan has obviously done, you know, a plethora of podcasts and book tours and talks that he would be very open to talking to the town. So I thought it would be a good match, especially just given what our town has gone through yes. in that, recent years. That said, I was not about to call the library and say, hey, would you read my book? <laughs> yes. you know, or, how do I, you know, because you know, I just, it, uh, so I would say this was a bucket list thing for me, but I wasn't even, it, I didn't even have, you know, it, it didn't, hadn't, you know, I didn't think it would happen, so I didn't even yeah. have it on my list. So I'm really, I'm delighted. And I don't know if I told you this, but, I never told Ivan about our conversation because I thought if it didn't happen, you know, you were you were listening to me, but um, clearly you weren't going to tell me, you know, if it was under consideration or whatever. But I thought 
um, I didn't even want to tell Ivan because mm-hmm. I didn't want you, Ivan, to think, oh, this could happen. Right. Yeah. Well, it might not. I had wondered about that, um, thinking about, you know, our conversation. Um, and again, this, to you know, you have written a book. Um, it's not a historical novel. I mean, it is a book about an event that happened to your family in the community and it resonated in the community. So just why, why wouldn't this have been chosen? You know, it just, it was such a, well, I thought that, but I was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I yeah. just didn't feel comfortable asking. Yeah. Uh, were you, did you have an awareness of our one book, one town program going back that far? Um, it's been 15 years. I didn't realize it had been 15 years. Mm-hmm. I knew, obviously, I knew it existed um, and was always captivated by the, 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 just the simple idea of it and, uh, and the way that it had spread so rapidly across the country yes. w- once it started. Yeah. Uh, so it was of Seattle, right? Yes, yeah. Nancy so, Pearl, our yeah. superhero librarian, right. Nancy Pearl. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, no, I, it's a, was and is a, a terrific concept. And I think we're lucky, too, because Fairfield is, uh, those of us that work here, Fairfield is really a reading town. Um, So we have a lot of book clubs here in the library. A lot of people in town have a lot of book clubs, and people are readers in this town. So it's it's just an amazing fit all around, I think. I'm in a book club. There you go. Good, good. (laughs) (laughs) And Meg, how about you? Um, I was aware, and I have read and attended some of the talks, and then... um, I guess six or seven years ago, after Max died, we started spending um, February and March out in California where our girls were. Mm-hmm. And so we weren't around for for the talks. But I've, I've tried to read the books most years. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I think, as Ivan said, I think it's a wonderful concept. And when I've talked to people in other towns or cities that don't have it, I think, like, someone should should start this because it gets people going. We had someone, we were at the Fairfield Theater Company last night and someone came up to me and said, I've read your husband's book. I'm going to the talk. My whole book club is coming. Wow. We've reserved seats. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. And I think it just goes to your point, Philip, that Fairfield is a reading town. Yeah, it really is. It's just, and we're so lucky because, you know, we're the librarians that get to live in, to get to work in this town where, where there's just such a, passion for reading which yeah. and we all know that a lot of things have have taken up space in our world whether it's video games or social media or whatever it's nice to know that people are still reading yes so. and very they're always looking forward to when we're making that announcement for the, yeah. the town wide yeah. read so uh yeah uh so you mentioned meg that someone did come up to you um have you what has the response been in, from friends, family, community about the book being chosen for Townwide Read? Oh, it's been uh, gratifying, obviously, but but I was surprised, I am surprised at how many people have have you know, said to me, said something to me or to Meg about it. Uh, you know, and I, and I didn't have any way of measuring, you know, how, how many people would, but uh, it no, it, it's it it has made a dent. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm excited. Well, that's good. That's good. It's such an honor. And um, yes. I think that people, 
you know, obviously they're they're friends with Ivan or they're friends with me, but we have people who are paying so much attention to it that they're calling me or emailing me to say whether or not they can come, which that was unexpected. But it, to me, it proves that they're that they think this is important, and certainly it's an honor for Ivan. Well, we really do feel honored that uh, that you accepted our invitation to come and and talk to the town, um, and to let you know about a bit about the patron feedback that we have been getting um, all, over the years. Of course, I've had conversations with patrons about the the book, uh, and many books. It's what we do, but uh, never before have I had such uh, personal conversations with patrons telling me very uh, detailed way how much the book meant to them, um, how much it helped them, Mm. uh, whether, and sometimes it's even just, oh, my my neighbors mentioned in the book, um, our super duper weenie man was (laughs) mentioned in the book, Um, and, or they've had, they had children in school at the same time as your Mm -hmm. family, so... Um, and just yesterday, uh, we, as Philip mentioned, we have uh, a lot of in-house book clubs, and we talked about this book for the first time yesterday in, in a you know the formal book club setting. And and again, um, I had a couple of participants say like this is the first time I've shared my story with anyone, mm-hmm. and they shared wow. it within the group. So it is, it is definitely helping and reaching people. Yeah. I think that, like from 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 my from my perspective, I think that um, the you know your story is a very specific story about a father and losing your son. But I what I found, and when I first when I first read it, um, and you know we all go through all different forms of loss and grief throughout our lives, whether it's parents or whether it's friends or whatever, um, and. Um, when I first read it, I, I really focused on your specific experience, but then literally like weeks later, um, a really good friend of mine from grad school, like died of a stroke at 62 and like, Mm. it was really fast. Like it was just, he had it and he was gone and everybody, and he was, had this huge circle of friends. So everybody online was like, didn't know what to do. And, you know, things were starting to be planned. And so it reminded me of how like universal your message really, really is. And, and how I think that's, I, I really appreciate that aspect of it so much. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. No, that, it, and that to me, the topic is people are scared to death of, of suicide in general. And what I have tried to convey is that, well, you know, if you live long enough, you're going to grieve and it's best to not try to do what I did for the first 55 years of my life and, and avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but it's a hard message to, you know, make people acknowledge and, and confront. Yeah. yeah. And to have that conversation and not be afraid to, to exactly. talk about that. Um, yeah, there's two things going on. I think, first of all, we live in America, and the U.S., we're not good at grief. We're not True. good at mm-hmm. death. And then you're a man, you know, and I'm a man. And we're, there's a certain expectation for men in this in this American culture that we're not supposed to show emotion. We're not supposed to, we're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to not cry, all of those things. And um, that, again, was when we started talking about 
you know, who we hoped would read this book, uh, you know, how we would market it. I really, that really resonated with me was how great it was that, and I imagined like all these men in Fairfield sort of coming together and really like maybe this, you know, you know, nothing is a perfect cure for everything, but, but your book I'm sure has helped people um, make that next step to sort of opening up more, which I think is really a great gift. Thanks, Philip. I hope so. I I think our generation, that's certainly the case. I think younger men are a little more open to their emotions, which uh, I would like to think is our parenting, but, you know, I, (laughs) I, uh, you know, I I, I are as a generation anyway, but I I don't know for whatever reason, I think, you know, uh, Maybe it was because John Wayne had died by the time they came <laughs> along. <Yeah. laughs> to your point, Philip, about your friend, yeah. for which I'm sorry, um, I think that people realizing through the book or their life experiences that grief is, death is universal, grief is universal. Um, yeah. We have a nephew who told me after he read it that it made him realize he had never dealt with the death of his dog. Oh, wow. And you know, you could yeah. say, well, you, obviously that's so different from a person, but the reality was he had never dealt with how hard he took it and the loss that he felt and, you know, the relationship that that dog, you know, what that dog had meant to him for years and years. Of and I was gratified to hear that it was helping him. It was helping him with that. And he, he was really happy he read it because it made him realize that he hadn't dealt with it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's very, there's a lot of layers to this, which is what mm-hmm. I loved about it too. Yes. You know, like for you to say something about your nephew and his dog and then go all the way up to suicide is just, it's just it encompasses mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. So really well done. Yeah. I, I mean, just the things that you think you should know, but as you're navigating grief and uh, you express this in the book. It's it's always gonna. It's not like you're ever going to be done with it. Uh, right. You talk kind of about you know reassembling your life and figuring out the pieces that you're going to be bringing forward um, with this with grief, which is I love that you say it's not the price we pay for love because there shouldn't be a cost to it. It's just that grief is love. Um, uh, so again, that's just something that is, is illustrates so clearly in it. Um, it, very helpful. Um, so the, the writing of the book, uh, I know you were writing kind of, I think from day one personally for yourself yes. as a journal, um, and then a piece that you had written, um, got a lot of response how, and Meg, for you, knowing that he was writing the book, like how involved were you in the writing, if at all? And how did you feel about it? And Well, as you mentioned, he had been writing all along. He started writing first, obviously, with the eulogy. We had um, Max's service five weeks after he died, but three weeks before they found his body. Um, and he had he had started writing just as a journal before before yes. the before the service, and then he had to write the eulogy. So um, I was in Rochester for the first three weeks while they were searching for Max. I wasn't witnessing Ivan, but 
writing, but I knew that he was, and he was telling me he was. I have never read what he's written, and he wrote for days and days and days. I, I don't know what he wrote. Um, I'm assuming some of it <laughs> showed up in the book. Mm -hmm. um, but w after he wrote the eulogy, which I thought was just brilliant, um, and I remember Ivan saying that our rabbi kind of looked at him like, wow, mm -hmm. afterwards. You know, he, he, he got Max and he got, hmm. he got the concept of um, suicide and we're not going to be ashamed of him. Mm -hmm. And we had decided, we had talked early on about being very open because, you know, the police were saying that it, they thought it was, um, you know, it could have been an accident, but we said if it wasn't, we were going to be open with that. Anyway, so back to your question. I was very aware he was writing, and when he wrote the eulogy and he published that on Medium, and there was such a great response, I thought, well, this is gonna this is gonna be a book at some point. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then a year later, on the anniversary, he wrote something else and put that on Medium. And again, I just thought it it was pitch perfect. Mm -hmm. So I sort of knew all along he would write a book. <laughs> um, I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he would say, I was like, when is this going to be a book? Yeah. Well, he wasn't ready. Um, and then as he wrote it and gave it to me, you know, I had reactions to some of the things. And we talked about some hard things that he had written mm -hmm. and whether or not they should stay in the book. Stay in the book. I know at the end of the book, you say that, that she gave you the, I think, the emotional permission to. Yes to write the book. No, I, and I think that's exactly it. I, I, I handed her the manuscript and said, you know, if you don't want me to, if you read this and, and it doesn't work, then I'll just send them their money back. Uh, so, uh, and, and there were parts in there that, I, you know, either things I had misinterpreted or just, were, you know, clunky to her or insensitive to her and, and and so I took them out and really would have taken, and I said the same thing to our girls, you know, uh, and, and, you know, their response uh, was really a reflection of their personalities. Uh, our older one is very emotionally sensitive, and so she read it and and gave me detailed, you know, the things that, you know, clanged against her sensibility. You know, she explained why, and we talked about them. And the younger one just, she said, I'm too busy. <laughs> I said, well, you have to read the parts about you. She said, okay. And, you know, she, I, she read them. She said, fine, you know, and handed it back to me. So, yeah. <laughs> she was busy. She was busy, <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, uh, I, I wrote it the first, uh, was it the first COVID year, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah. I wrote it in 20, sure. And, yeah. and the fall, the summer, and no, it was really the summer of 20. Right. into the fall, which COVID was a gift because there was not much of a college football season, right. which is what I do for a living is cover college football. So uh, it was to the point of, you know, when would I write? It was like the, you know, mm. the, the universe, the universe gave opened me the up time. For you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The best part was the deadline was December 1st. So he pressed submit on December 1st, and his editor called him and said, what do you mean? No one turns things no, in on time. 
I said, I, I, I'm, I'm a journalist. Of course it would, you know, and I had finished it like three weeks before and just waited. Waited with uh, it, yeah. And, you know, wanted to read it one more time. But, yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> it's interesting, a couple of authors, uh, I'm sure more than a couple, but wh- how COVID affected their act- their writing life. Um, you know, a couple mentioned kind of pulling projects that have been sitting in a drawer for 10 years and are now out there in the world as as novels. Um, sure. You know, having that, that kind of impact. Your, your daughters, um, if I remember, did they each write something for... Did they each write eulogies? They each wrote eulogies, and I was so proud of them. I I couldn't write one. Yeah. Um, I just think I would have fallen apart. Um, but Sarah and Elizabeth both wrote, both wrote them. Sarah was 23, and Elizabeth was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be 17 years old and have to get up in front of seven or 800 people. Mm. Yes. And, and and do that. I was really proud of her. And they both captured, you know, different aspects of Max that were funny and poignant and um, captured him perfectly. Perfectly. Mm. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. But I love the sense of that I got of your family and your families through this book, uh, your, your different backgrounds, mm. um, the grandparents, the the cousins, the aunts and uncles, um, and your your girls and Max. Um, you know, I felt that I got to know him, um, and just again, it was just a really lovely portrait of your your family. Well, thank you. Especially uh, my mother died twelve days ago, so that's very oh, nice sorry. to hear. Oh, yeah, she was ninety five okay. and, and had a terrific life. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's nice to hear. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. And the thing, to your point, you, when you were talking earlier about the universal theme of grief, I, you know, I have the last couple of weeks been revisiting things that you know I wrote in the book and that helped me when Max died. That you know, have coming in handy again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. When the book first came out, how was that received? Did you? Were you were you were you able to do much of a tour on it, or? Uh, well, you know, it was interesting, Mary. The uh, I wanted to do a tour, and COVID got sort of got in the way. There were some stores that would let me come, and some that wouldn't. You know, it was the fall of twenty one, and everything was still sort of in flux. So I did uh, I did some video bookstore appearances. Okay. I did some live bookstore appearances. Uh, I did, uh, and it, those were things I wanted to do and, and I did and, uh, publisher was not involved, but I thought whatever I can do to, to get out to people, you know, I think we, you know, I thought would be important. Uh, the, uh, the stores I contacted were almost universally, probably 85 to 90 percent of them were interested. And uh, and the, the critical response was was nice. Yes. Uh, you know, so I I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think it's t- it touched a chord somehow. Yes. Yeah, yep, definitely did. And he had the opportunity to be on. Good Morning America? Oh, oh yeah, The right. Morning of Publication. Yeah, yeah sure. The Morning of Publication. The, yeah. So and that was cool. What we smiled to ourselves about was that Good Morning America has a jumbotron in 
um, Times Square. So not only was Ivan and the host on, but at some point they showed a picture of Max. And we thought, here's this, you know, such an introvert, such a private person. And he's on on the big screen in Times Square. Yeah, I I have a picture of that in my phone for that reason alone. (laughs) There he he is. Yeah. Right. So we wanted to get sort of... um, we wanted to sort of ask you, Meg, since you're here with us, um, the book feels very much like a family story. And so we wanted to know, um, and yet, you know, Ivan's very clear about how the two of you, and I, and I, and I love that about the book, how you're very clear in there about how you both are, you know, human beings and individuals and you, you know, we, cause we all do, everybody does this, but have you thought about your own story and do you talk to people about your story or is it more of a personal journey for you, um, if, if you'd be willing to share that? Um, I mostly have spoken with other mothers who have lost children. Um, I needed more than Ivan. I needed to talk to people who were ahead of me on that road. Mm-hmm. And and then since then, I've talked to people who are behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a writer. I couldn't, I, I get intimidated putting pen to paper. But um, Ivan was very clear, and I was glad in the book for him that he said, "This is his story right. and not and not ours." Yeah. Um, we did have differences of how he interpreted some things. I think that, you know, personally speaking, I'll be working through. I I know intellectually it's not my fault, but I'll be working through guilt. And Ivan, I think, was very. Um, faster to be able to say he was quicker to be able to say he was ill Mm -hmm. we did the best we could yeah and I still struggle with things and one of the things that um he and I have talked about is you know we make we still we have a 26 year old and a 31 year old we still make mistakes with them but we can correct them we can revisit them yeah we can apologize when someone's gone be it Ivan or his mother, or my parents, you don't get that chance. Right. right. And I know a relationship doesn't end with the death of someone, but I think I, I, I'm very aware that the sharp pain is gone, but the dull ache yeah. is still there, and so I don't think anyone wants to read about that. <laughs> but I have to say that I'm so happy, you know, and I've, I've ta- had convers- specific conversations with people about this. I'm so happy to live in this time period where we are so much more honest. Yes. Like you're not saying, oh, I'm going to wrap this up in a nice little bow for everyone. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you're here today and we're talking about this and you're, you're being honest about your feelings. And, um, and I think that I'm just so grateful because I think of my parents' generation and nothing was said, mm-hmm. nothing was talked about. Right. Everything was, you know, I, I, I remember, sure. you know, I, I remember, I should, probably shouldn't say this while they're both gone, but I remember my mom telling me that when her mother died, like she was really grief stricken. And at one point, like, I guess my dad maybe gave her a week or something. And at one point he said, you know, Gene, you've got children to take care of. You need to get your act together. And it was like, there was no, there was, 
That's right. just the way they were, you know. Right. Like that's that and was that the was mentality. the way society was. That was the way yeah. society yeah. was. Yeah, he Not was a great guy. Parents, he wasn't yeah. a bad guy at all. He was a great guy. They had a great relationship. Right. They had a good marriage. But you know, you weren't. There were certain things you weren't supposed to hold on to. Right. And so I a couple of days off from work, and then yeah, right, and yeah. then back like so nothing. I happened. really, I really appreciate the honesty that you that you shared. So yeah. Thanks. I'm I'm grateful too that we live in this time that people feel comfortable and. They're not trying, you know, we certainly weren't and other people aren't trying to hide, you know, how he died. Yeah. He was ill. His brain was ill. We wouldn't be afraid to say say it if it had been a different kind of illness. Right, so right. We're lucky that it's now. Yeah. And you don't have to keep up with, you know, who you're telling what. Yeah, right. That was the other, that was, that to me was the biggest, in the at the outset when, you know, your brain is just... I mean, you, I just remember my brain not being able to stay on one thought for more than about a second and a half in the yeah. early stages, and I thought, I, I, I don't have the the bandwidth to worry about who I'm telling what to, you know, and, and if it makes them uncomfortable, you know, I don't care. You know, right. I'm more right. uncomfortable right. than they are. So, right. yeah. So. And I remember in the book, that was the decision that the two of you made to gather everyone together because you just, you had to get the, you had to right. get the message out sure. to everyone so that you like you said, you just couldn't hold on to your thoughts. And so, yeah, yeah, really great. And uh, it seems, you know, more and more, um, you know, while we were going through the, con- the consideration process of choosing a book uh, for One Book, One Town, and uh, all of the articles that were coming out about, uh, you know, mental illness and our, our younger people, um, uh, just like as an epidemic and, if we're not going to, we have to be able to talk about it. Right. If we want there to be any improvement, I mean, dealing with it in isolation, um, I can't imagine how difficult. And it's interesting, Meg, that you say you wanted to talk to people who were more forward in the process. Yeah, and that that was helpful for me. Yeah. Um, because I I wanted to use them almost as. I don't know guides, mm-hmm. and not you know, and and think okay, what did what did they do? Not that I'm necessarily going to um, do everything they did, but what what helped them? Mm-hmm. Because you know, there were days when I thought I I don't want to. I got out of bed every day, but I certainly didn't want to. Yeah, and a woman who lost her, a, a Fairfield um, girl, I I believe she was in college in Vermont, maybe Middlebury. She lost her life about nine or ten years before Max in a car accident. And her mother said to me something that has just stayed with me, and I have passed it on, which is it's not that the grief gets smaller. It's just that the bowl that holds your grief, you start to let it get bigger. Mm. And as you, as it expands, as that container expands, you let a little bit more in. You let a little laughter in, a story, a trip. Mm-hmm. a memory and and that will help you yeah and I have found that to be true and so that's what I needed to do Ivan didn't if I can speak for him he didn't need to have those conversations mm-hmm. the way the way I did mm-hmm. so that was certainly an initial way that we grieved differently differently and since the book has has been out um have you have there been times when you've been having a conversation with someone that 
you felt like I don't want to be having this right now because, as you said, you're in different places every day in your in your grieving. Well, sure, uh, especially in the early days when I went back to work, uh, and, and and honestly, Mary, it's been more not so much that I've had trouble having conversations about Max or about grief because there've been very few times when I haven't been able to process where somebody is and and they say something really stupid and I'm if if that's what you're referring to and I just sort of forgive them mm-hmm. uh on the spot cuz that was me once uh what's been interesting to me more is how my general outlook on things has completely shifted you know I I used to think uh college football was the most important thing in my life, uh, outside of my family. And, and I just have a different perspective about it now. You know, I, I, you know, and that could be age. It could be the fact that, you know, I'm closer to the end of my career than my beginning, but it just shifted. And, and I, I see, and that's, that's a, an example. It's not just my work that I have a different perspective on. I have a different perspective a uh, broader, more uh, forgiving is may or may not be the right word, but I, I just see things so much differently now, and, and respond and react so much differently than I used to. You know, there's a lot. It takes a lot to get me to rattle me now. Oh yeah, it it had that effect, and I think too. I mean, wanting and like to have an opportunity to to talk about Max and to. Uh, you know, some of the people, they don't want to bring up his name, but you both, I think, have expressed, like, wanting to, to share about him and talk about him. We received a letter today um, from uh, the daughter of friends, acquaintances in Fairfield, and she now has a two-year-old, and she wrote us and said that she read the book, and, you know, she remembered Max, she thinks about Max often, and she wants to teach her child some of the qualities that he possessed and I mean what a wonderful letter and how kind you realize people are so kind in reaching out to us it's so easy to say oh I'll write you later or Mm -hmm. I'll do that another time or I'll tell them if I ever see them but she took the time to write us a letter and I thought yeah that was wonderful and that it's you know, kind of after, I think people think, oh, I missed the opportunity. I didn't write a letter or note when it first happened. But that right. doesn't really matter, does it, in terms of I, time? Not at all. No. Yeah. It, in fact, it's now it's um, probably more appreciated because he's receding and and in time and, and there's no new, we have no new material about him. You know, right. And so anytime anybody brings us anything, it's yeah. such a gift. Mm. Yes, when you, um, I think you met the friends, at some of his online friends, yes. uh, right? And you uh, got to learn more about him through them. Right, Yeah, which was so wonderful. Yeah, that tight online community. And I, I, I have to say, when you're talking about memories, when, when, and you wrote, when the worst happens and all you are left with is memories and yearning, um, it soothes me to realize why I hurt so badly. I love Max. I always will. My grief is the most tangible evidence I have of that love. Um, though, just seeing the word yearning, it's so true because there you, you yearn for 
more memories or a, a do-over or wanting to relive those those good moments. Right. Um, For me, I read something and I think, and I'll say to Ivan, if we had read this to Max, would that have made a dent? Mm-hmm. You know, I do that probably more than he, <laughs> than Ivan would like me to do. <laughs> but I, uh, it is a yearning, and yeah. I don't think that that, that will ever go away. No, and I, I'm not sure that I had ever read the word yearning in relation to grief. So that was another uh, Interesting. moment yeah. that really kind of spoke to me. Um, uh, yeah, to personally. me, it, it's uh, that was a great way to describe that emptiness. You know, why is it? Why is it? You know, you want something to fill it, and yeah. what you want to fill it is not you're not going to get. So. That's that's a yearning, yeah. To me, yeah, definitely. So, Ivan, I was just wondering, as a wrap up, if you could talk a little bit about um, coming to the Quick Center for the author talk and who will be there with you. I would love to, Philip uh, Armin Katayan, another Fairfielder, uh, is a, a an accomplished journalist and a uh, New York Times bestselling author. Uh, he's and he is an old old friend. Uh, we work together at Sports Illustrated when we were uh, in the early 1980s when, you know, Armin was, he was in his early 20s. I was five years old at the time. <laughs> uh, Me too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and uh, no, we, we're, we're old friends. And uh, Armin, in fact, uh, when we moved up here from Dallas, when I got a job in the in the metropolitan area, Armin was the one I called and said, because I knew he lived in Connecticut. I said, "Where do I live?" And you know, eventually uh, we landed here. So, and and then he moved here when uh, and he and Dee became empty nesters. So, uh, we're we're still good friends, and I'm delighted that his schedule is free enough that he can come uh, be the moderator. That's great. Yeah. And we were happy to. Yes, yeah, so the uh, event is happening on Tuesday, March 28th at 7 p.m. at the Regina A. Quick Center for the Arts at Fairfield U. And uh, we are looking forward to that so very much. Me too. And is registration required? Registration is uh, encouraged. Okay. Um, so we're not uh, requiring it, but we really, it helps us always to get a head count. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, we would like for people to register on our website. So thank you, Ivan, Meg, and Mary, and thank you listeners so much for joining us on another episode of Fairfield. What are you reading podcast brought to you by Fairfield public library in Fairfield, Connecticut. Special thanks to our podcast editor, Max Berryman for making us sound so great. And please join us next month for more of your favorite library staff talking our favorite new books. Happy reading, and thank you both so much for joining us today. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank it was you. fantastic. Yeah, Delighted. It's really been an honor.